0: Well, how are you? What a wonderful, wonderful evening. This is Saturday, 5 o'clock. You guys remembered. I, I've, I've, I'm just honored that you are all here and that just the feeling in this place. And, and Eddie and Ashley, thank you so much. That was absolutely beautiful. Give me Jesus. You can have all of this world. Just give me Jesus. Well, that's really right in line with what we want to talk about tonight. If you have your Bibles, and shame on you if you've come here and you don't, would you please turn with me to the 22nd, the last chapter of the book of Revelation. We have one more weekend in this great book, and then we will move on to the book of Romans. Wow, how great, how great. We've come to what is the near the end of one of the greatest books that you and I will ever have the privilege of going through and studying. The book of Revelation is an insight that we might see Jesus Christ as he is not displayed in the New Testament. He is displayed in all of his glory and all of his majesty in this great book. What we saw last week is that Jesus Christ encourages you and me, all of us who know and love him, he encourages us to become immediately active within the church. Now, why do we want to take immediate action? Well, as we saw in the 7th verse, the 12th verse, and the 20th verse of this particular chapter, he says, Behold, I am coming Quickly. Now, that means suddenly. That means without notice. That he will come at a a time that will perhaps catch most of us, if not all of us, off guard. And so he says, I want you to become immediately active within the church. And we're going to explain why the church tonight. But he asked us last week, as you remember, in verses 7 through verse 12 four things. I want you to become immediately obedient. In other words, he says, take heed to the things which are written within this book. After we are obedient, he wants us to immediately worship him, and he alone, to worship him as as we did so beautifully, singing unto our Lord this evening. Thirdly, he said in verses 10 and 11, I want you to Immediately proclaim the word of God with urgency, because I am coming quickly, suddenly, without notice. People need to hear of who I am. And then lastly, we saw in verse 12, we are to immediately serve him within the framework of our church. Why the church? Because he says so. He says in verse 16, look, in chapter 22... In verse 16, he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. That is how he deals with us today. In this day in which we, we live, this is called the day or the age of grace, God's unmerited favor. It is also called the church age. This is the time that we are to deal within the framework of the church, And then he goes on to say in verse 16, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. Well, as we close out this great book, we find that our our Lord's last words are given to those who are not yet saved. He's going to talk to you and me, as he did last week, saying, I want you to become immediately obedient. I want you to become immediately worshiping me. I want you to immediately proclaim with urgency, and I want you to immediately serve me within the framework of the church. But now he is calling upon those who are not yet a part of his family. Jesus calls upon everyone who hears his call to come to him. He states in verse 17, The Spirit and the Bride says, Come. Interestingly, in this verse, verse 17, there are two calls to come. First, for him, the Bride and the Spirit says, Come. In other words, Come, Lord Jesus, come, return. The second call is to unbelievers, to come. It says in verse 17, Let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost, come. Please come. In 2 Peter 3, and verse 9, our Lord makes a tremendous statement. Peter writes, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some would count slowness. Rather, Peter writes, The Lord is patient towards you. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And so he says, Let the one who wishes, is that you? He says, Come. You hear his voice. Come. There's no cost because he has paid the price for you and for me. Where? At the cross. Therefore, there is no cost for us where to come. Read with me, please, Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 through the end of this book, but we will go back over it a little bit next week because, because it's needed. Verse 12, Behold, our Lord says, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and they may enter by the gates into the city. Verse 15, Outside though, there are dogs, there are sorcerers, immoral persons, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the church. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Verse 17 says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And then it says, And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life, and from the holy city, which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. What a great ending to this wonderful book. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. God's unmerited favor be with every single one of us who choose to follow Him, who hears that voice and lives the life to follow after their Savior. Father, may we be a people who hear Your call clearly and who respond, Father God, to that wonderful, wonderful call that we would come to trust and believe in You that we would give every bit of ourselves to you in obedience, Father, immediately. That we would give every bit of ourselves to worship you and worship you alone immediately. That we would immediately proclaim with urgency the word of God to those who do not know you. And we would serve you, Father. Serve you within your church so that we might display to those who come what Christianity looks like. Oh, Father God, please bless your word. Bless this study tonight. Thank you for everyone who is here, who made a commitment to come on this a Saturday evening. For those that, that worship you primarily on Sundays, Father, they, they came. Thank you for that. May this just be a temporary a temporary time that we would be able to find the place that you so desire us and and worship you again on Sunday morning as soon as possible, Father. In the meantime, may we worship you here and now and faithfully, Father. Would you please move me aside, I beg of you, dear Lord. Would you allow those here not to see or to hear anything that I might say, but rather... Father, that you would say what you want to say to each one of our hearts. May we hear you. Hear you clearly, Father, and respond to your call. I pray in Jesus' most precious, precious name. Amen. I, I cannot get it out of my mind. Before I get into this, I want to say thanks. And I want to tell you I love you. I, I cannot get it out of my mind how kind it is for you to, to do this. Um, I think we're going to have good news for you in the near future. I think things are going to be moving for us. God has so, so, so blessed us. And because of you, we are a blessed church. And I see great things ahead of us. Great things. So thank you for being here tonight. And I pray that we have a wonderful meal in between. And and then uh, I pray that just as many, if not more, show up at the 7 o'clock service. So we may worship the Lord. Okay, concerning the one who calls, John writes three things. In verse 13, is, is beyond powerful. Verse 13 is critical for you and me to understand, and for the one who he is making this call to, to understand who is he. John writes three titles for Jesus Christ in verse 13. He is the Alpha and the Omega, He is the first and the last. He is also the beginning and the end. These three titles of Jesus Christ clearly qualifies him to produce what he is calling for us to do. In other words, he guarantees what he is promising. Verse 13 announces to one and all the solemn assurance that Jesus is qualified to reward all who come to Him and Him alone. Why? Because, as verse 13 tells us, He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. Let's take a look at each one of these titles just a little bit. The first title for Jesus announces that he is the Alpha and the Omega, meaning he has always been and he always shall be. We would say instead he is the A to the Z. He is the totality of all that he says he is. The Alpha and the Omega. The second title given to our Lord in verse 13 is he is also the first and the last. Within this great book, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the title, he is the first and the last, only applies to Jesus Christ. Let me show you. Please note, Revelation chapter 1, if you would, hold your place here, turn back to the very beginning of this book. Wow, we started studying this book. 64 messages ago. Amazing. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. Now, John, you remember we taught, knew Jesus Christ intimately. He was a dear, dear follower of our Lord and and knew him well. But when he saw him in his glorified body, in his, all of his majesty, he fell, at his, right, he fell at, his, at his feet as a dead man. And then it says, he placed, our Lord did, placed his right hand on John, saying, don't be afraid. I am the first, and I am the last. He goes on to explain in verse 18, I am the living one, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. That explanation was not only for John, but for us. He was the one who was dead, and behold, he is now alive forevermore. And then if you turn to chapter 2, verse 8, when our Lord was talking about the seven different churches. He said to the church at Smyrna in chapter 2, verse 8, He says, I am the first and I am the last. I am the one who was dead and has come to life. And He goes on to speak to the church at Smyrna. And so, in the book of Revelation, the title, I am the first and the last, applies to Jesus Christ alone, but, but, And here's the beauty of studying the Word of God. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, the 44th chapter, the 6th verse, as well as the 48th chapter, the 12th and 13th verse, this title, the first and the last, refers to the Lord God Yahweh, God Almighty, who announces for all to hear, there is no other God beside me. Listen to Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. If you're not there already, let me read. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. There is no God besides me. I like that a lot. In chapter 48 of Isaiah, verses 12 and 13, states this, Listen to me, Jacob, even Israel, whom I have called. I am he. I am the first, and I also am the last. And then he says in verse 13, Surely my hand founded the earth. My right hand spread out the heavens. When I called to them, they stand together. And so we see it is this one, the first and the last who created the heavens and the earth, and there is no other God beside him. That's the the Savior whom you and I know and love. That's the one that, 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 that we just sang about a little while ago. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. He is the first and he is the last, and there is no God beside him. Third title. In verse 13, back in Revelation chapter 22, in verse 13, the third title given to Jesus Christ is that He is the beginning and He is the end. A a similar description is given to Jesus Christ in the book of Philippians, the first chapter, the sixth verse. Paul tells us that what Jesus Christ began, He will also bring to completion. Philippians 1.6 states this, I am confident, Paul writes, of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so the beginning and the end tells us what Jesus Christ began, he will also complete. What he has begun in your life, in my life, what he has begun in our church, what he is beginning, he will bring to completion and it will be done perfected because he is As he has already told us, the Alpha and the Omega, he is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. So the one who calls, the one who calls you and me, is qualified to fulfill what he asks of us. His title tells us he is God Almighty. His title tells us he is the Redeemer, the Savior, the Christ, and there is no other God beside him. He has always been. He always will be. He created these heavens and this earth. There is no other God beside him, as it says. He is the very one who, when he says he will do something, will bring it to pass. What he begins, he will perfect or complete. Now in verse 14, appropriate to his three titles given in verse 13, Jesus next gives out... The last and final of the seven blessings out of the book of Revelation. They are in chapter 1, verse 3, chapter 14, verse 13. Is it up on the wall? Yeah. It's chapter 16, verse 15, chapter 19, verse 9, chapter 20, verse 6, chapter 22, verse 7, and here. Chapter 22 and verse 14. Blessed, he says, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. This blessing deals with the ultimate issue of of eternal life. Washing of our robes. The tree of life. Entering into the very gates of the city. We are told that we are to wash our robes. Well, If you're still wondering, how do we do that, and what does that mean, and who are those that wash their robes, well, John asked the same question through this study of the book of Revelation. In chapter 7 and verse 13, John asked one of the elders, no, excuse me, one of the elders asked John, and then John asked him, but one of the elders asked John, who are these who are clothed in white robes? Who are they, and from where have they come, he asks. John, in verse 14, said to him, after they asked this question, My Lord, you know. And then he said to John, and really to you and me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. To wash your robe is is to have placed your faith and your trust in Christ through the blood that He shed for the forgiveness of your sin. Washing is the spiritual cleansing of your sin through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Verse 14, Blessed are those who wash their robes, and their blessings are twofold. They have the right to the tree of life, and they may enter into the gates of heaven, into the gates of the city. In plain words, those who have washed their robes through faith in our Lord and Savior Christ, Jesus, are blessed because they enter into the city. And the city, heaven, is where the tree of life is, we, we learned. And where the city and the tree are, there are Jesus Christ and the Father. Yes, blessed is the person who has washed their robe in His blood." Now in verse 15 comes to those that you and I are to try to reach. The people who, who are outside the city gates. We have been called. We have been called in this time in which we live to reach out into the world in which we live. Just like Fred announced those four young ladies that are going back to the Dominican. I mean, wow. What a blessing to see our young people going back and to have the dreams of of being missionaries to these people, this this, uh, orphanage in the Dominican. In verse 15 we see that there are those who who shall not come into the city but shall be outside of it. Verse 15 tells us this, this. There is an exclusivity to heaven. Some shall not enter in. As with all lists, this one is not comprehensive either. It simply gives an idea who shall not enter in. By the way, to be outside the holy city is not to have access to the tree of life, which is everything to us. As we saw in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15, these outsiders are to be thrown into the lake of fire. That place is called the second death or hell look at the list. We could explain what each word means, but they are fairly easy to understand. But let me read verse 15 to you. Verse 15 says this, outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the immoral people, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. One difficult word that might be tried for us to understand is the word called dogs. Who are they? Well, a dog to a Jew in the, in the times when they walked this earth, and a, that was a Gentile. A dog was a Gentile, or, or someone who had absolutely no respect and no belief in God. But this word dog takes on a much deeper meaning. We have to turn back to the Old Testament to understand who our Lord is talking about. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 18, God clearly warns Israel saying, you shall not bring the hire of a harlot or the wages of a dog, dog meaning a male prostitute or a sodomite, into the house of the Lord your God. Both of these are an abomination to the Lord your God, he says. Second term in, in verse 15 is a sorcerer. That is someone who deals with the demon world and with drugs. Immoral people deal with sexual sin. Murderers is easy enough to understand, it, but it takes on a whole other meaning when you equate and you see that Jesus equates murder with anger. In fact, let's look at it. Hold your place here. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, please. The Sermon on the Mount, one of the great, great of all messages ever given. Matthew chapter 5. It's very intimidating to look at, at murder in the light of what our Lord looks at it. He says in verse 21 of chapter 5, You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the courts. But I say to you, Jesus speaking, But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the supreme court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember your brother has something against you, leave your offering before the altar. Go first, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. You see why we need a Savior? You see why so desperately you and I need a Savior? Someone to wash our garments, to make them as white as snow? I'll talk about this in a moment. An idolater is is someone who follows after false gods. And so back, please, to chapter 22 of Revelation. And we will, we will deal with this in a moment. Who is the one who is, is angry? The one word that fits into all the lists that our Lord gives is the word liar. It's mentioned in chapter 21, verse 8. mentioned also in chapter twenty-two, fifteen 15 here. Now, I want you to turn back with me to, uh, to the book of John. Would you please? I want you to see what our Lord says about someone who is a liar. In John chapter 8, verses 31 through 59, Jesus is confronting the religious and self-righteous people. Those that, that think that they're fine without him. They don't need him. They're fine. And he tells them and us what a liar is. In other words, someone who denies that he is the Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 31, it says this, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, then he says you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, the truth, And the truth shall make you free. They answered him and said, We're Abraham's offsprings. We've never yet been enslaved to anyone, which is a lie. How is it that you say you shall become free? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Look at verse 44 in this same chapter. He tells them in verse 43, for instance, the reason you don't understand what I am saying is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own nature. He is a liar and he is the father of lies. They go on to question who he is and, and, and want to stone him. At the end of this chapter, verse 59, they, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself. Later on, they try to do the same thing. He lists in there murderers. Then he equates being angry. And then he says, you ought not to lie. You ought not to practice lying. You ought not to love lying. And he denies, he, he brings in lying along with denying that Jesus is the Christ. On your way back to the book of Revelation, would you turn to First John? Not John here, but go back to the book of Revelation and stop at 1 John, please. First John chapter 5. In 1 John chapter 5 are some of the verses that uh, I hold as dear to me as any within all of Scripture. It's the very place that uh, had a Impact on my life to save my life. To allow me to understand that I needed to come to know and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, it says, The one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made God a liar because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his Son. Verse 11, the witness is this, God has given us eternal life, and the life that he has given us is in his Son. And the one who has the Son has the life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things, he writes, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you might know that you have everlasting life. You see, it's plain and simple, folks. Life, everlasting life, is found in Jesus Christ. It's not in your goodness. It's not in your particular church. It's it's not in a certain denomination. No, eternal life is found in faith in Christ. And those who are outside are those who commit sins. Who are they? I want to close with this thought, please. Please. Turn to 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. I want to show you another list. But I want to show you the hope that you and I have in Christ. Remember when I talked about you should not be a murderer. But Jesus said in the Beatitudes, if you have anger against someone, you've committed murder in your heart. Well, how many of us haven't had anger? I mean, when I read through that and it says, when you say to someone, you fool, I mean, how many of us have not had anger in our hearts? And what do we do with that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Do you not know? that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But I want you to note, please, the reason I turned it here with you to close is the next verse, verse 11. But such were some of you. Paul was preaching to a group of people and saying, "Look, this is a bad list. These are people who are outside the, the can be outside of the very family of God. But such he says were some of you. And folks, I I I, I relate to this so much because." All of us, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We need to proclaim the gospel to this world in which we live. We need to draw people to Christ. And we need to recognize that we are just like anyone else. Such were some of you, Paul said. But you were, it says in verse 11, he goes on, but you were washed. You were sanctified, set apart. You were justified, where? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Spirit of our God. Yes, such were some of us. We were washed. We've been sanctified. We've been justified in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the blessings that we have. And so we need to reach out. We need to reach out to the world today in which we live. We have been warned by our Lord, I am coming quickly. Suddenly, without warning, reach out to those who do not know me. Bring them into the family of God and don't look down upon them because such were some of us, just like them. Bring them to Christ. Only a a person's unwillingness to listen to the call of God upon their hearts can stop them. If you are willing, if you hear Him, come. And then once you come, As this place in Scripture in the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation is trying to teach us, if and when you come, then come and immediately become a follower. Immediately be obedient. Immediately start to worship. Immediately proclaim with urgency the the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And immediately serve Him. Now I feel like, I feel guilty almost with this message. Because so many of you have done so much this past week and a half, two weeks, have been amazing here at this church. All that has had a part is, you just have been amazing. I cannot tell you in words enough how much we love you and how much you are loved here at this place. I want to thank you all. Well, next week we're going to take a look at, at those that try to take away or add to this, this Bible, which we love so much. We're going to take a look at the the fear of trying to mess with the Word of God. Why the churches are to preach what what we try to preach here, the gospel of Jesus Christ, word upon word, line upon line. We'll t- we'll touch on that next week, and then we'll be through with this great book. Let's close in prayer. Dear Father, um, thank you so so much for the people who are here. Thank you so, so much for this time together, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you would just bless us so much during this time of transition, Lord, that we will not falter. We will stay and remain strong as a group of believers that trust in you. And Father, even now you're finding the place that we are to meet and to one day have that we can call our own where we might worship you and, and build for the generations to come should you tarry. Dear Father, please bless us. May we reach out to this world in which we live that is dying, those who do not know you. And may we make an impact upon their lives just as those young girls are going to the Dominican may we who stay here in our own communities reach out to the friends and loved ones and those that we come in contact with dear father we understand that you are coming quickly we understand that father and we understand that you are the alpha the omega the first and the last you are the beginning and the end there is none like you. No, not one. Now bless us, Father, please. In Jesus' name, amen.